who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. It's so hot that Sarah and I right now are both showing our shoulders, which we are, I don't think has ever happened never, on the podcast. Also not a euphemism. We, yeah. <laughs> look at that one. She's really showing her shoulders. Yeah. I'm ducking out, you're ducking out. Let's dike out together, see what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that was named after what I did with your mom last night. Hey, I'm Carolyn <laughs> oh, Bershian. I'm Sarah York. I was not prepared for that. <laughs> I'm talking about your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and today we'll be diking out with producer Lynn Casper about queer indie music. Some of you may be familiar with Lynn's work. She's the founder and producer of Homoground, a queer podcast focusing on bands, events, and organizations that often get overlooked by mainstream publications and platforms. Homoground has been around since 2011, so... Uh, yeah, again, good chance. Yeah. <laughs> you've probably heard of it if you've been uh, seeking out queer content, especially in the music realm. And um, I know that it's gotten like I've, I've heard of it over the yeah, years yeah. and um, from from different sources. And uh, Great. Lynn, welcome. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for coming. Um, a couple of quick announcements. I'm going to be doing uh, some stand-up shows at the end of the month, and I've actually had some listeners who are coming in from out of town uh, asking about shows and stuff going on, and there's two in particular. So I, I do a lot of stand-up comedy, but sometimes it's like back of a bar, uh, mm-hmm. 10 people in the audience, and I, it would be a little bit embarrassing to have. <laughs> 
people come and see that because you never know how those ones are going to go. Yeah. Uh, but I do have some where I know it's going to be a good show. And at the end of July, right now, there are two in particular on the 26th and 27th. The 26th is the uh, Stone Street Comedy Hour, and it's the third year anniversary of the show. And then on the 27th, past Stacking Out guest Brooke Arnold is hosting a show at Under St. Mark's. And you can find more information at cbcomedy.com under shows. Great. That's so, awesome. Yeah. If you want to hear me tell more mom jokes. <laughs> There's more where that came from, yeah, folks. <laughs> more of these hot takes on your mom. Uh, all right. We are recording this episode two weeks in advance from when it's coming out because... Yes. I'm going to France. You are going to France. With my mom <laughs> and staying with my dad. Reminder for our listeners, my parents are separated. So this is... This a, is going to be... Are, are you going to meet your long-lost twin while you're there? I feel like this is like a parent trap situation waiting to happen. It might be. That'd be actually sort of exciting. You have like a French twin and you guys are going to try to get your mom and dad back together? Honestly, that'd be a dream. Not the getting my parents back together because they do not belong right, together. Right. But the the having a French twin. I'm pretty sure that Cecilia would leave me for the French twin. Yeah. I'm not quite French enough for my right. wife. I mean, none of us are. <laughs> She's always like... Asking me um, to to say things in French, or she's like, "Oh, I'll speak in Spanish all the time, and you speak in French all the time, and then we'll we'll learn from each other." I'm oh, like, yeah. "But I'm not fluent in French, <laughs> right, right. so it's very awkward for me." To like, speak she sounds French cool all the time. when she speaks Spanish because she's fluent. Yeah, yeah. Me, I just sound very nervous and unsure, <laughs> second guessing whether I'm right. using the right. Like gender for inanimate objects because right. the French language is weird uh, and I don't know that stuff. Right, you know? right. I mean, I can I can go there and understand and talk to my family, but I could never Ugh. hold a job. And I mean, I, I don't speak the same language as my family either. So, <laughs> what but, language are they speaking? Uh, they're they're conservative on my dad's side. <laughs> Mostly just epithets. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> no, it's not that bad, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Well, that's cool. Uh, English, not your first language? Um, or it, yes? It could have not been. Could have uh, not been. So, yeah, my mom's Filipino. Uh, yeah. I was born in the Philippines. But so I came over when I was really young. And my mom would tell me the story that she took me to the doctor and she was talking to me in her native language, Tagalog. And the yeah. doctor was like, you're in America now. You need to speak to her in English. So she was That's just rude. like, kind of like, oh God, oh, I shouldn't talk to her in Tagalog. So, Man. yeah, she only spoke broken English to me. And I'm like, who is that doctor? I'm going to track him down. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and yeah, I always feel just frustrated that my dad didn't keep speaking to us in French. So mm-hmm. I was born in Montreal and because Quebec is like very pro French language, uh, you had to go to an all French school, even if you, you know, didn't have French parents or whatever, that was like the public school default. Mm-hmm. So I went to all French school for, for kindergarten and my sister went up through the second grade and then we moved to Buffalo and my dad just stopped speaking French and he said it was because he was afraid we would be embarrassed. Uh, meanwhile, everything else about him was embarrassing. <laughs> like, he embarrassed me in so many other right. ways. Oh French uh, would have been the last French, thing on the list. Yeah, French would have been absolutely the least embarrassing thing about my dad. And now I'm not 
as fluent in, in the language right. as I would like to be. Yeah. And I'm like, missed opportunities, man. When you're a kid, it's so much easier. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like, I want to learn yeah. different languages. And so I'm just like on Duolingo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I tried the Duolingo when I started dating Cecilia. This is, you know, when you're like first in a relationship oh, yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm going to really nail I'm going to impress her yeah. now. I'm going to impress her. And I <laughs> I Let me like, download this app for two ninety nine. <laughs> Look out, world! I know. I did three weeks of Duolingo, and then I'm like, eh, she's into me. So I'm like, <laughs> I can give this up. I don't need to work this hard. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I do really want to learn Spanish, though. Yeah, I speak like a a function. I mean, I work in a restaurant, so I've always worked around like multilingual situations. Yeah, but I I. I understand it when it's spoken much better than I can actually like say anything back. Sure. But I, I get the gist of what someone's saying. Typically. Yeah, I kind of know what conversation yeah. is going on. I just can and I feel like reading Spanish is like you can kind of figure it out if you know like a few certain words and like the way verbs are conjugated. It's like not I don't know. It's it's not easy, but I can I can like struggle and try to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So I, f- I feel like for living in New York City. Oh yeah. It should be like mandatory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking Spanish. But I don't know. I looked into it in like Spanish classes in the city. Those are expensive. Oh, really? It's mm-hmm. as expensive as improv. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't get the, I don't know. No, improv, you don't get anything either. Yeah. I guess I you're saying. better off spending your money. Yeah. On Spanish Learn a language. skill. Don't do improv. <laughs> Oh god! Oh, right now great. the the Del Close marathon is going. Oh on. yeah, are you? I, are you familiar I have yet with to that? go. Mm. Okay, so at the Upright Citizens Brigade, every year they have something called the Del Close marathon, and it's a three day improv marathon made up of many ten minute shows. Some Oof. shows, if you have you know celebrities and whatever on mm-hmm. it, they get more time. Uh, but most of what they call the bit shows are. 10 minutes long and they're like at all hours of the night. So it's like you're having to stay up until, <laughs> you know, 4 a.m. to watch Fart Prov or <laughs> oh, wow. whatever, no, thank the, you. whatever the show is. Yeah. I know. The, I only, Hi, we're Johnny and the Sharts. Welcome to our show. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Great. Oh, you oh an all white male improv group? Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, wow, when's your pilot on, on Comedy Central? <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Sort of one year, uh, but I was too tired, actually. In true lesbian form, I uh, didn't go to my show because it was too late at night. Right, right. Uh, it was actually uh, Kelly Quinn and Becky Chicoin really? who have been on the show. Uh, they were organizing Lesprov, and I was like, oh, yeah, get me in on that. I want to improvise with all the lesbians. And, like, Morgan like, Miller was in it. 11 o'clock? Yeah. <laughs> It really was. Let's be like run on midnight. Cinderella time. We like dart out the door at midnight and yeah. go home. Run home before anyone sees us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, hoping nobody sees me out and assumes that I'm okay with this sort of thing. I'm heading home now. <laughs> 7 p.m. shows only. <laughs> so usually DCM has always been the same weekend as Pride. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's such bullshit. Yeah. Of all the, the weekends to have it, they couldn't work mm-hmm. it around Pride when there are so many uh, queer performers and then you'd have to choose, you know, mm-hmm. between uh, your your sexuality and pointless <laughs> comedy that <laughs> no one's going to remember. That's Unless you do something really wrong. Of my identity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I wonder if that was intentional this year that they finally were like, hey, let's do this on a, di- on a different weekend. I think it might have been, in, and then they're moving it to um, Los Angeles next year. Oh, okay. Yeah, so well, you have to... Miss my chance. Fly cross country if you want to see that uh, Riverdale oh, improv. Yes. <laughs> uh, That's great. I don't know. What else is going on? I don't know. It is like the we're in the midst of a horrifying heat wave in New York City, which is a lot of fun. Um, so this is two weeks. Two weeks ago, you guys, it was super hot in New York City. Uh, I'm supposed to move today, oh, no. like actually move oh, apartments God. today by myself. Um, and I, I think I'm going to go ahead and cancel the U-Haul, <laughs> which is not a euphemism for breaking up. It is. <laughs> Is quite literally going to uhaul.com cancel order. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's just like, it's. I looked at the temperature yesterday and it said 99. Oh my was gosh. The, and I was like, yeah. I, there's no way. I can't yeah. do it. So I'm literally rearranging my all of my life plans around this weather. <laughs> yeah, I am literally wearing swim trunks and <laughs> an old Hillary Clinton campaign tank top because it is the least amount of clothing I could find in my drawer that I haven't packed yet. It says a woman's place is in the White House. Which is still true, still relevant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wear my Hillary campaign shirts, plural, like more defiantly now because I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I just I just wanted all, all of you to know while the world is burning it didn't have to be this way, but whatever. Um, yeah, I, it, it is it's so hot. It's hard to describe it to people who don't live in New York City how like you have to look at the forecast for the temperature and add like 10 degrees mm. of misery to it because yeah. just being in Manhattan, we're in Manhattan right now and it's like the second you get off the train from Brooklyn to Manhattan, it's just like this, I don't know, you feel like you're standing right next to like a bunch of exhaust pipes from a car yeah. Yeah. and like the ground Radiate shoots heat, heat up <laughs> yeah. towards you. like, it's... And then it reflects off the building yeah, like a laser beam mirrors. just yeah. hits you. <laughs> yeah, all the buildings are mirrors now. Thanks, modern architecture, yeah. for looking so st- stupid. I Who mean, the inside of the building's thing? cool because they're reflecting all the heat onto us outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I guess so miserable. It's so miserable. Whatever, it's like but... 190 out there right now. It's so, so bad. And it makes you just... You can see it in everyone's eyes. People get fucking crazy in this kind of heat. So I'm going to try and stay inside today because I don't want to commit or be the victim of just murder. Yeah. (laughs) I, yesterday was hot too. And I, uh, I got ramen for the first time at a restaurant. I know I'm behind the curve on ramen. I love it. Hold up. What's the big deal? Why? It's amazing. Why not buy the stuff that's 30 cents in the store? <laughs> oh, I feel different. like the difference in quality is not that much. Where did you Throw go? An egg. <laughs> I went to a place um, on Clinton mm. in the Lower East Side, and it seemed like a Go like to Setagaya in, in Brooklyn. It's amazing. Oh, are the I, noodles that different? Yes, they <laughs> are. I in the wintertime, I think I eat ramen twice a week. I'm obsessed with it. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I Sometimes I order extra noodles, which is a great move because it's basically like getting double. Because you have that broth left over, and I'm like, mm-hmm. May I have some extra noodles, please? And it's like three bucks and you Smart. dump them in. Second bowl, and then you're super full. But but yeah, it is expensive. Yeah, it's it is kind of like when you think about what you're getting, it's like oh yeah, sixteen is my threshold in the store. Top ramen, (laughs) thirty cents, and that's like in New York City where there's like a sixty percent markup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can dress it up at home. I mean, I've had I don't know, I've had some pretty pretty damn good ramen, but sixteen dollars is like the max comfort level for what I'll spend on it. Anywhere oh, from like 12, so I went to a fancy 12 to place. 15. Yeah, you did. <laughs> 12 to 15 is my comfort zone. Well, 
the point of the story is that between the the heat and the sodium from yeah. from the ramen, <laughs> so I some, was full of regret. I was. It's full ninety of degrees. I'll have some hot, hot, salty soup, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was just like. I, my body was just holding on yeah. to all water. Yeah. It was just like this salty, bloated. <laughs> Speaking of salty and bloated, remember when uh, Daryl Hammond performed comedy oh on the same God. show as me? We need to talk about that. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that. The, at I this think, point, it would have been uh, weeks ago. Yeah. But I did a, I did a comedy show during Pride mm-hmm. after the I was live there. Diking Out uh, taping. And Daryl Hammond happened to be in the lineup, even though he's not queer. And Yeah, what was that? that you was know, like, it was sometimes when you get a name, you get you someone just who was on SNL put them for on the years, lineup. and yeah. you have to put them on the lineup, regardless yeah. of who they are. Yeah, regardless what the theme is. Or the... <laughs> the state of the person. Yeah, it could have been a black power theme and someone would have still put yeah, Daryl Hammond on it if he was available. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's... Yeah, Salty and Bloated is a good... That was... It was weird because I... I So... How so do we weird. even describe this? So Daryl Hammond, for those of you at home, uh, was on SNL in the n- mid to late 90s, maybe even into the oh. early 2000s. Yeah. He was on, he had a long stretch on He was on it for a long time, SNL. and he's the, he's still, he played, the, he's the announcer now. He is? Yeah, because. Oh, I didn't know that. Cardo, whatever, he died, and then. Yeah. They oh, got, he took over? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I mean, good for him. Now I, like, kind of feel better about it, because I was worried he didn't That he was going to, like, kill himself like, the next yeah, day. Yeah, and I was like, oh, now I'm like, okay, good, so he's working. If if we had woken up to reports that Daryl Hammond had committed had, suicide, we would have been like, was, that makes sense. It was that depressing. It was, <laughs> I, I felt, I honestly felt awful during his routine. So he he's he's the guy that played uh, Bill Clinton for years on SNL and he was awesome as Bill. He did a perfect impression of him. Very talented. I've Very always talented. been a big fan of, of him on a, yeah, SNL and I, grew, and I that was when, when he was on is when I was like obsessed with it. When I was a kid, I would watch SNL every week and like, I just, I thought he was so funny and everything. And he is funny and he wasn't as funny, but he like, it's such a, it's such an interesting moment when you're, when you see someone, in person who you kind of like idolized as a kid and you're like, Oh God, like you're just human. Like the rest of us, <laughs> he was like wearing old sweatpants that looked like he had painted his living room in them. They had paint all over them and like yeah. actual dirt, these old ratty sneakers, like a fedora. And then like a, like an old, like a, like a old tweed jacket. He looked like a kid who would like rummage through his grandpa's old clothes and put on whatever he could find. Yeah. And had a gigantic beverage in his hand, which I'm not sure if it was just Coca-Cola or if there was bourbon in it, but he was like, I think he was fucked up. He had to be really drunk. Really? Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying, I'm making excuses. I don't know. I, well, I mean, I was backstage with him but it was and so, he, he didn't seem, really? Okay. It's, it's hard to tell. Oof. He didn't smell. Yeah. No, but it That's was, uh, it was a, it was an interesting and, and kind of kind of heartbreaking 10 minutes like I really Lorena Russi and I were in the front row and we were just like cringing like we I could feel like our cringe energy was was very much there Ugh, it was rough yeah but I mean at least he's working for SNL that's good he tried yeah and I went on right after him and he walked off stage and then turned off the recording on his phone and said huh I had some really great stuff there Oh, the confidence oh, the, of white men. Yeah, exactly. You mean the super depressing stories about your abusive childhood? Yeah. Yeah, yeah great stuff, Daryl. <laughs> Thanks for coming out.
<laughs> Thanks for coming out to Queer Night. <laughs> I feel bad about saying uh, salty and bloated, but but his hands were kind of yeah, like yeah. A it was case a of very, sausage fingers. Yeah, yeah, was... for sure. Oh, poor guy. Anywho, yeah, it was still uh, a fun show. <laughs> you were you were music. great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Let's <laughs> on that note. Since yeah. you know, I like to leave transition on a high. Uh, let's talk about. <laughs> Queer indie music. So tell yeah. us, uh, you know, for anybody who hasn't listened to Home of Ground, what is it? Yeah, so it's a podcast I started in 2011, um, and I feature a lot of bands, um, all like fall under the LGBTQ category. And I started it because I was living in North Carolina at the time, and where about? Wilmington. Oh, yeah. Um, right on Dawson's the beach. Creek, One Tree Hill for all oh, people that okay. are into the WB shows. <laughs> what, what, was Dawson's Creek in Wilmington? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. My dad used to deliver mail to uh, what, Pacey, Joshua Jackson. <laughs> cool. So they were Got around. That Pacey cred. <laughs> right on. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So I grew up there, and there just weren't that many things to do. Other than, you know, hang out by the creek and... Sure. <laughs> the uh, creek. You know the one. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, the, I didn't know that many gay people. So as a teenager, I just stayed in the closet. And I really loved music and writing poetry. And so that was, like, the way I expressed myself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, time passes on. I'm always, like, making mixtapes for people and, like, you know expressing myself through other people's like songs or whatever and yeah so it just kind of as technology advanced it kind of turned into a podcast yeah so um yeah my friends like when I started doing homoground we're making music and I just wanted people to hear it yeah and so I was like oh I'll just make this thing I don't even think the word podcast was a word back then Mm -hmm. so I just had like an internet radio show sure um so yeah that's how it started and I was just kind of you know people would be like oh my friends in this band so it was kind of like a word of a mouth thing yeah Mm -hmm. and then people that I didn't know just started emailing me and like, hey, here's my music. Can you play it on your show? And I was like, okay. So, so yeah. it, it was always <laughs> focused on um, music by queer artists. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool, cool. I mean, I guess with the name. Yeah, <laughs> and then well, actually, there um, people like allies. I guess you know because I was in North Carolina. Do you make them and- prove it. Yeah, like prove your ally. Nah. And there have been some like questionable. We're a little bit generous yeah. with that word. Yeah, that have like submitted their music, and I'm like, did you just submit it because it's like, oh, a music podcast? I'm just gonna. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, whatever. If you want to associate yourself with something called Homo Ground, then sure. you can explain that to your straight friends. Like, <laughs> what? What are you on the show? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so they can have that conversation. Um. But yeah, so I moved to New York in 2013 or 2012, so mm-hmm. not too long after I started the podcast. That's when I moved. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. cool. Where uh, You moved from Buffalo, New York? No, no. I was living in Atlanta at the time. Oh, okay. Um, so you lived in the, in the south, south. But way more gay than Wilmington. Yeah. My, uh, my cousin, who is gay, went to uh, college at Wilmington. Oh, okay. And then afterward was... Uh, looking to move to Raleigh because 
she was like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like a lot more like progressive and yeah. there's more of like a, a scene there and stuff. It's hard to find, you know, people to date in Wilmington. And mm-hmm. I'm like, like Raleigh's the next best out. Yeah. I'm like, oh, North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I used to drive like two hours to Raleigh, Chapel Hill, Durham to go see shows and yeah. to do cool things. But yeah. Yeah. What, what was the music scene like in in Wilmington um there were there was a venue there for a long time called the soapbox Mm -hmm. and that was kind of I don't know where I spent a lot of my formative years um I got to see a lot of amazing bands that would come through but they didn't come through very often um unfortunately the soapbox closed um a couple years ago and now it's a waffle house oh wow which is kind of ironic I guess yeah. I don't know but it's really sad because that was a staple in Wilmington and like yeah. bands that I talked to that have like gone on tour they're like oh yeah I love that place it was like a laundromat slash arcade slash music venue so it's really sad that you know places like that don't exist anymore um how yeah. do you feel coming from a, a city like that where it's kind of like oh like here's the one venue I guess like this is where we're going Friday night you know Mm -hmm. to New York where it's so overwhelming with options and um play I mean it's cool on one hand but sometimes I feel like I don't even know where to start in terms of going to check out cool bands and Mm -hmm. stuff yeah definitely it's a little overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> like when I first moved here, I was like trying to do everything. I'm like, oh, this band's playing, that band, this party's happening. Yeah. And then I realized like, oh, I can't do that because then you're just going out every night and it's like more expensive oh, yeah. and it takes more energy. And so I was like, okay, things are happening here. It's not like only this one event happens mm-hmm. every three months or so. Yeah. So I'm like, just chill out. You don't have to do it all. <laughs> and now I like never go out. <laughs> yeah. It's the best, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because I'm older or I don't know, because I don't know, I'm just like learning to like, all right, I'm an introvert. I can't like exert all that energy. So just yeah. like recharge. Mm-hmm. Don't it's, force yourself. <laughs> being, if you're an introvert in New York, I, I never used to identify as an introvert. And I, I still would have to say I'm an extrovert, but New York has really swung the pendulum <laughs> yeah. for me to make New York me really test hide your boundaries people. a lot like yeah. in every way yeah we're just like all right I need to I just need to go back home for just a minute and just like yeah it's so it's so valuable to f- carve out that time for yourself here especially like it's 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 vital to like have that that recharge time I'm definitely an extrovert and I still feel a little overwhelmed at the prospect of like I don't know I feel like just leaving your house in New York is like First of all, it costs twenty dollars to leave your house. You <laughs> really never does. don't spend twenty bucks. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like this city just has a way of pulling everything out of you, like your energy and your money. Between ramen and two drinks yesterday, <laughs> fifty bucks. Oh easily. My gosh. Easily. Like Can you it, imagine? It, it's so easy to just like hemorrhage money in this city. But mm-hmm. anyway. This is why we have a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Patreon.com slash to fund your ramen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fund my ramen. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it really kind of like, cause you know, to go anywhere, I mean, a lot of us don't live in Manhattan and when things are happening in Manhattan, so you have to like get on the train, go to this thing, do this thing, come back home. Like it sounds, it sounds easier than it is, I think. Yeah. So it's, I don't blame anyone when they're like, no, I'm just going to not do a thing yeah. <laughs> ever. <laughs> 
In terms of getting into uh, like queer music specifically, um, wh- what would you say from your perspective that the the differences are and what more traditional mainstream music lacks? Yeah, I think um, like just having done homo ground for like seven years, I've noticed that people making music now are more vocal about, I don't know, their politics, sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the artists that I've talked to have even expressed this. Like before they used to kind of write songs that were more like ambiguous, mm-hmm. like not necessarily using any like gender identification, you know? Oh yeah. And, but now it's like, no, I'm going to write these songs and, you know, say that it's a relationship with a woman if it's the same sex, you know? Um, I think it was Kalani. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with her? She just came out recently. She's like, yeah. oh, okay. friends with Haley Kiyoko. Yeah. I know they're more mainstream. I didn't really know yeah. about them until recently. My friends were telling me about them. Our but listeners are very into Haley. Okay, Kiyoko. great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think Kalani was had an interview and she just mentioned, yeah, like I mentioned that it was a woman in one of my songs, and then she, the feedback that she got was just like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much. Like, I can relate to this. So I think just like I was saying before, like, not when you're a teenager and you don't have any kind of role models, when you're listening to music and you can hear, oh, wow, this song is about two women in love, that's something I can relate to. That's like mm-hmm. really powerful when you can have that association or something yeah. that resonates with you. It's, Really crazy how ambiguous, even like a Melissa Etheridge, who oh, it yeah. was like you knew she was gay, mm-hmm. even her songs weren't. Uh, and not that I listened through the whole album or anything, just thinking no, about No, I the pretty hits. much only know her hits, yeah. Uh, but those weren't, you know, overtly. Right. Uh, I feel like she, I like trying to think about, um, I think she was very careful about not. Like you, I can tell. I, I feel like we have this like sense where we're like, "Oh no, I know she's singing a woman, and I can prove it here, <laughs> here, and here." But she was very careful about not like making Alien it clear about or... the gender. She didn't. She never said him or her. I don't mm-hmm. think in any of her yeah. songs. And like, you can you can definitely tell that there's some some sort of like purposeful, you know. Well, if you listen to like early Tegan and Sarah compared to. Recent Tegan and Sarah, that's definitely a, a clear difference that they yeah. they've gotten more like explicitly mm-hmm. uh, gay as the years go on. Yeah. And then um, I remember the first time I listened to Jenny Owen Youngs, I was like, I think she's a lesbian <laughs> just based on these songs being like very relatable. And not mentioning men, not mentioning women. Right, but not mentioning men. Definitely (laughs) not mentioning men. If there was no mention of men, that was usually my sign that I was like, oh, and then I would like invent it in my head that this artist was gay, but even if they weren't, but whatever. She also wore like a vest and a tie on the cover of an album, so I'm not like Sherlock Holmes or anything here. Yeah, Yeah, and I wonder how much like with Melissa Etheridge and Tegan and Sarah, if it was like maybe not their choice, but, like, their record labels right. that are kind of, like, tone it down a bit. Yeah. And now it's, like, I don't even, like, record labels, do they even, like, do people want to be on record labels? It seems like so many people are, like, making their own independent mm-hmm. labels oh, or sure. just self-releasing, so it's, like, maybe that people have more freedom to yeah. kind well, of express themselves. Well, we have technology themselves. to just put things yeah. out there. There wasn't SoundCloud 25 mm-hmm. years ago when yeah. Melissa Etheridge was 
doing her thing. And yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's interesting. But, but even though artists are, I mean, like society is becoming more accepting mm-hmm. of the LGBTQ plus community and, um, more artists are more vocal about it in their music. And, uh, it still seems like there's not enough queer representation in in the mainstream. Mm. Um, and then when I, you know, if if you go to Spotify and you look up like Pride playlist or mm-hmm. something like that, I feel like it's eighty percent straight. Yeah, artists. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when they have songs and yeah. a uh, lot of pop music and yeah. like techno, yeah, yeah. <laughs> EDM. <laughs> Uh, but then, you know, when I listen to Humming Ground, I'm like, oh my God, there's all this great music that is like relatable or like fucking like powerful and like you were saying political and, um, just very different, but also like musically pleasing to listen to. It's not just like weird stuff. Your friend who's experimenting with garage (laughs) band sends you. (laughs) Uh, does yeah. beats for fun uh, I don't know but <laughs> how do you find these artists that you like do you seek them out or at this point like do you get people that submit music to you yeah when I was first starting out I well just in general I love just kind of finding bands that no one knew about yeah so I spent a lot of my early days like doing that and so hipster <laughs> <laughs> and then now it's just like I get so many submissions from people that I don't really have to go search out but yeah. it is nice um sometimes I'll like to do festival spotlights and so I'll like find like there's this one uh festival that used to happen in Chicago fed up fest and it's mm. a bunch of like queer punk bands and so just like finding events like that and then kind of reaching out to all those bands and, you know, just, yeah. A lot of them, a lot of the bands that we feature are just like independent bands that are, who know, they may, might not even have like an album out or mm-hmm. just like have some demos. Um, so it's cool because, yeah, there's bands that are at that level and then there's also bands that have been touring and have been doing it for a long time so there's you know a lot of diversity in the bands that we feature what have been some of your favorite discoveries where you're like oh man i can't believe the world doesn't know about this This (laughs) oh there's so many um let's see uh one of my favorite bands uh at the moment is rituals of mine okay um and i can't even remember how i've discover them but she tara lopez um was in this band called sister crayon and then it evolved into rituals of mine and they actually just opened for built to spill on their latest tour and so that was really cool um just to see someone like be opening for this band that's been around for so long yeah and it was interesting because like the audience of course is like all these nerdy white dudes oh yeah yeah and, and it's like this woman that's say, so built this, right? <laughs> this woman who's just so powerful and her voice is like very strong yeah. and like emotional and raw so just like i don't know i was just kind of watching the audience and yeah. everyone was into it and i'm like well if you have a voice like that then you're gonna capture people's attention yeah so yeah yeah can you uh sing one of her songs right now <laughs> <laughs> just kidding no 
Can you imagine? I can try to hum it. <laughs> it won't quite be the same. My wife always does that to me. I'll bring something out. She'll be like, sing it. I'm like, no. 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 It's such an uncomfortable thing for someone to ask you to, like, to be asked yeah. to sing. I'm just like, no, I would rather. Or like, my coworkers do will else. do that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you, like, mention a song, they're like, oh, I don't oh, know how does that song. It go? Can you sing like, it? How does it go? Never mind. Forget I'm I even like, asked. <laughs> I don't know. It's not that important. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, so that's one that sounds. Yeah, um, uh, we did an interview with um, Alsace Carcion, who is a rapper in Texas, um, mm. like Houston area. You and didn't know by the name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, I did an interview with them. And uh, hold, hold on. Alsace, I thought like it's like France. I know. Alsace, I, like, all right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Continue. I don't know how the name came about. It. Yeah, I'm not just being a jerk. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's just been a lot of, uh, like, I think we featured over a thousand bands by now. Oh, wow. Definitely over a thousand. I don't know an actual number. But this past year, we started doing more interviews. Yeah. So trying to get more of, like, the artist's story into the episodes, whereas before it was kind of like a sampling of a bunch of music, and then I could just kind of read what bands would, like, email to me on their little submission form. Yeah. But it's so much more powerful when you hear the artists themselves, like, talking about what the song is about or the struggles that they went through. Yeah. So I come from, like, a documentary film storytelling background, and so I'm like... I know it's so powerful, so I'm trying to like incorporate that more into the podcast. Yeah, I'm sure that's a lot more work. Yeah, it is do. more work. <laughs> but uh, I feel like sometimes as you get older, it's easy to kind of like let music fall off your radar and then mm. fall back onto the stuff you listened to growing up because yeah. it kind yeah. of puts you in a happy place when the world's on fire. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this reminds me of like simpler times. Mm-hmm. And, or, you know, uh, yeah. the emotions you experienced back when you first heard, heard songs. And I don't, I think that's a pretty common yeah. thing that happens. I think nostalgia is pretty powerful when it comes to music. Yeah. yeah. It is for me at least. But then in every once in a while, I'm like, I must be missing out. <laughs> I'm missing out on a lot. A lot like, of good stuff. And I feel like I still am too. It's yeah. like, yeah, there are so many bands coming out now and like, a lot of them are so much younger than me, so I'm like that's not a world where I'm like circulating around as much anymore. Like yeah. I said, I don't, like don't go out anymore, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like exposed to just like randomly stumbling upon some band in a basement as yeah. much as I used to when I was younger. You know? Yeah, yeah. Same here. It's uh, but like it. It is interesting and mm-hmm. good though and like music has always been something that has um it just like captures so much about a point in time and a culture and like where we are mm-hmm. as a society that it is important to listen to new stuff but it's like unfortunate that um the only new stuff that I feel like I'm exposed to is like Cardi B and I'm like why <laughs> I love Cardi B but <laughs> I, a lot of people do that's I just can't um Every oh, song I sounds love the same I think to she's me. Amazing. I can't. What? No, it's not the same. We'll have a different episode where we scream at each other about Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm open to. It. I haven't yeah. like. Well, yeah, like I I'm very much guilty of like only listening to mainstream music just because. Well, most of what I listen to are podcasts. So when mm-hmm. I do listen to music, I just want something that's like, I don't know. Like I'm just I'm kind of a 
I'm, I have a very pedestrian taste in music and I love mainstream everything. So I'm halfway through Drake's ridiculously long 25 track (laughs) album right now. I've listened to it for two days and I still haven't heard every song. (laughs) Like Drake, come on, why are you doing this? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I find myself clinging to nostalgia a lot right now. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know if that's because the world is on fire and I'm kind of like wanting to Mm. listen to things that remind me of like the cardigans. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like the cardigans. I feel like when I want to go back to the cranberries. Yeah. Just listen to love fool by the cardigans. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. And it's crazy how like a song can kind of transport you back to like the exact time you experience something. Well, like I was saying the other week, I, on a impulse bought Jimmy Eat World tickets. I ended up selling them on StubHub because the day came. I'm like, I don't want to go see Jimmy Eat World. What was I thinking? But it was yeah. like the nostalgia mm-hmm. of the moment of like remembering that like Bleed American and mm-hmm. how I felt when I heard that album the first time. I was like, yeah, let me feel all those feelings again. Yeah. Okay, who's ready for a true story? When I entered my MFA program this fall, I knew I was going to have so little time for cooking. So I wanted a solution that would let me have tasty, healthy meals in a flash so that after class, I could still have time and energy to be gay. So I signed up for Factor, which ships you ready-to-eat meals that are chef-created and dietitian approved They're fresh, never frozen, so all you have to do is stick them in the microwave for two minutes, and then they're nice and done. Um, The weekly menu has over 35 options. The salmon entrees are always my personal favorite, but they have um, a lot of things you can choose from, options for different dietary needs like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. They also have add-ons for when you don't need an entire meal. Um, I tried some good cookies and some jerky. Uh, No prep, no mess, and when I looked into it financially, which was one of my main concerns, it was actually less expensive than uh, takeout and honestly really close to the cost of buying ingredients at the grocery store down my block in New York City. Uh, And then I saved a lot of time. So to me, it was definitely worth it. Did I mention that the meals are also really delicious? Like I've yet to try one that I didn't like. So if that sounds good to you, I think you should give it a try too. Head to factormeals.com slash dykingout50 and use code dykingout50 to get 50% off. That's code dykingout50 at factormeals.com slash dykingout50 to get 50% off. During Women's History Month, come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast, Thread the Needle. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I definitely have some certain songs that I associate with like crushes I had when I was Mm -hmm. young. Because for some reason, like when I would have a crush on someone, I would find a song that like... I would make the the little queer connections to in my brain <laughs> that it was like about us, and then I would listen to it like five hundred times. Like what? Um, I so there's an artist uh, named Chris Pirica. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's well, basically every song she's ever written, I've, I've found a way to like connect to some story. I, have I don't no know. Idea who oh this my is. god, fantastic! Uh, kind of. How would you describe like folk? I guess. Yeah, like folk. acoustic song singer songwriter Chris Pirica, P U R E K A. I've seen her live, oh, uh, and f- she's incredible live. Like she, it's, I, I'm obsessed with her. Um, but yeah, like she's very queer, and her her music is just like she 
she's one of those people that writes a really good breakup song. Like her, she has whole albums that I'm like, wow, she went through a terrible, she's like Adele, but like with singer songwriter, as far as like the energy into like these lyrics that she writes. Um, I can't even pick like one particular song. I have her entire canon on my, on my Spotify, but yeah, she's one that I would recommend if you're looking for like that emotional, like kind of intensity and you like an acoustic guitar. Mm. So I don't know. That's but that's that's pretty much the depth of my experience with queer music. Yeah. And I also am woefully unfamiliar with Tegan and Sarah, <laughs> which I know disappoints all of our listeners, but I only know like two of their songs. I don't know how I just like missed Tegan and Sarah. You know I completely missed it. Karina doesn't seem to be into Tegan and Sarah either. When she turned Karina's our intern, but she's okay. in uh the Midwest for, for the mm-hmm. summer. Uh on, when she turned 19, I sent her the Tegan and Sarah 19 song. <laughs> and she's like, who the hell's this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why do you old ladies keep trying to make me listen to this? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when I went to see Tegan and Sarah in, in Brooklyn last year, it was like a lesbian convention. Mm-hmm. It was more lesbians than Brooklyn Pride. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a fun show. <laughs> in one auditorium. Uh, it usually is a fun show. I think I talked about it before, but there there was white one white woman ruining it for everybody of course so uh had too many (laughs) drinks and could not control oh yeah a lot of people don't know concert etiquette that's the worst yeah white women also love being the center of attention right uh, right whether or not it's appropriate yeah (laughs) usually it's not appropriate yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that's what happened that night Um, that's the worst i know what a crime yeah Speaking of concert etiquette, as a very tall person, I try to stand like on the wall or towards the back because I have the most intense guilt about standing (laughs) in the crowd. Because every time I do, there's always a person behind me who makes comments to me the entire show. Is that normal? Like, do short people just do that? Uh, I don't make comments to people, but it's just like. Yeah, like I've gotten that so many times where I'm at a show and they're just like, I wish I could see anything. And I'm, I turn around and some like a little five foot two oh, girl. No. I'm like, I don't know what to tell I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you right now. Yeah, I have, I have mixed feelings about that because, you know, if you're tall, you shouldn't be punished by having to be relegated to the sides or the, mm-hmm. the back of a show. I've also been in the scenario where I'm just like peeking over some guy's shoulder hair yeah. Yeah. for two hours. <laughs> shoulder hair, gross. <laughs> Watching the back of some dude's neck. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Or watching it on their phone because everybody oh, yeah. has their phone up That's recording. Worse. That's I'd rather, insane. That, I'd rather that has be, to stop. yeah, like six inches from a man with excessive back hair yeah. than have to like watch a show through someone's phone. Because <laughs> uh, no one's every- watching that footage after. I've never no. taken footage of a concert and then watched it on my phone afterwards. But like, That's wow, true. the sound quality is amazing with that. <laughs> yeah, what are, you, what are you sending this eight-minute video to someone? Yeah, some pe- the people who record the, the whole Drives me crazy. Thing. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? Just, oh, I'm terrified about... <laughs> the generations of technology addicted oh, yeah. people we are raising, but that is a topic for a different time. <laughs> um, where are the big scenes in queer music? Like, where do you have a maybe a surprising amount of submissions from? Or um, in the states, New York, San Francisco, L.A. And surprisingly, there's Berlin is a really big oh, one, cool. and. 
somewhere in the UK, which uh, maybe it's like London and the surrounding area, okay. but there's like one town in particular that's very high on our listening uh, stats and Australia. Yeah. So there's oh. a lot of stuff going on. You and it's Brazil? Uh, yeah. Actually, okay. we and we've featured um, like a reggaeton uh, musician from Argentina. Okay. Um, recently, um, Chocolate Remix. And yeah, it's like really cool to discover like all these scenes happening globally. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wow, I want to go. I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Get out of the US <laughs> and just see what those scenes are like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we have one listener who we want to interview at some mm-hmm. point and she lives in Brazil and has a a gay clothing line but also organizes these like big lesbian dance parties oh, wow. in in Brazil and it seems like there's like quite the quite the scene there so i'm always curious of like that'd be yeah. fun yeah i mean i don't do dance parties but it sounds like a good time yeah. maybe if you're in brazil on <laughs> I mean, vacation I would, yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah i feel like it You'd have to. Yeah, it's different than being in like Williamsburg and accidentally stumbling into yeah. a dance party. That's interesting about it being a uh, like a town right outside London. Like, or, mm-hmm. uh, like they fence in the, the yeah. gays. <laughs> They're all sequestered <laughs> one neighborhood. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's just like the Williamsburg or Brooklyn of London. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's like Not the only place that has room for garages. Or, yeah. Or, or something <laughs> where people can. Uh, yeah, because real estate in England, no joke. Oh no, it's it's uh, it's expensive. I think shortage is the 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 part. It's called shortage. Like it's like a neighborhood in in London, but I keep hearing that's like the that's like literally the Williamsburg of London. Oh, that maybe that's uh-huh. where it's coming from. Hmm. Uh, I'm going there for the first time in September. Oh really? You're going everywhere. You know. Yeah. I do what I can. That's uh, great. I'm going to a wedding in the English countryside, but I'm going to try to do a night of comedy. In London. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, see if I'm dry enough for those yeah. Brits. <laughs> what are you going to, you got to better brush up on like some, some classic British comedy before you go. I'm going to be like, just oh. do, do a bunch of Monty Python bits and see what happens. The, the only time I've done comedy out of the country was in Canada. And the guy was like, okay, so, uh, you know, we get a lot of people that ask us, like, Oh, do you guys know about like this or that? And like, yes, we know about everything. We live in Canada. <laughs> right. We know about anything. You we have the internet. A joke of, I'm like, yeah, I know I'm from Canada. So I'm all aware. I'm like, but quick question do you have TVs here? Is that a thing? <laughs> like, do Canadians watch? But, but it is a real thing where I'm nervous that I would make some type of reference yeah. and just like bomb horrifically. And I can't, I don't recover well after. Well, the good news is that you I won't know solid. anyone there. So. That's true. <laughs> if you're going to bomb, do it in a foreign country. And then I guess so. Like, I'm leaving and stomp to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Those British critics can be pretty. <laughs> they pretty sound brutal. so fancy when they're being mean. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll take it. Yeah. Um, oh, so one of the things you mentioned is that you want to kind of like create content that you wish that you had when you were a teenager. Yeah. Um. So when you were a teenager growing up and and you didn't have that, like what did you 
do? <laughs> um, I was like, just being weird. Like, yeah. I was hanging out in my room. Kind yeah. of like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I hung out a lot by myself and just like working on little projects, I guess. I guess we collages. Find, we find hobbies. Yeah. I guess collages. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're a kid with a lot of hobbies uh, yeah. that you like to do by yourself, you mm-hmm. could be gay. Yeah. <laughs> you could be queer. It's the first sign. <laughs> yeah, I usually like pretended I was like a radio DJ host. Oh, that's great. Just like making up shit in my room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I really like growing up, I watched MTV. Sure. Um, even though my parents were like not into mm-hmm. that. And Nickelodeon, and so oh my God, <laughs> there was. Yes. I feel like Nickelodeon was so good back then. It was so yeah. good. Are we talking like the Rugrats, uh, Real Monsters? Are you afraid of the dark? Yeah, Doug, Snick, Snick was great. <laughs> I don't even know what they're showing on Nickelodeon now. I'm sure I would just be so. Yeah, I'm familiar with Nick Jr. because I have nephews, but. Mm-hmm. I know that Nickelodeon, well, I had a friend who was a writer at Nickelodeon for a while, and it sounds like actually they're still doing cool stuff, uh, that they can still be pretty subversive with their content, and that there are actually uh, characters who are queer, like Mm -hmm. they try to get representation in where they can. They also try to get, you know, as political as they can for shows targeted Mm. uh, towards kids, but like trying to teach things like empathy, you know, things that come in handy if you want to be a A a good member of society. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, well, I don't know uh, specifically the the lineup or Mm -hmm. the live shows they have anymore. I still think it's kind of the same... uh, I definitely think we we were kids in the like the a really really good era of Nickelodeon because they had a combination they had like their lineup was like a, some really good animated shows that I think had mm-hmm. like there were shows like like the show Ah Real Monsters <laughs> yeah. where like I I felt like you know Ren you and watched Stimpy that, yeah Ren <laughs> and Stimpy which is like kind of not a kid show at all <laughs> if you if you watch it like through an adult lens you're like yeah. holy shit this was on Nickelodeon. Um, but shows about people who were like people or characters rather who were kind of othered and like how they dealt with it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I really felt like there's there was a lot of really quality programming on there. And also this the, the I feel like the mid 90s were this era of the kids like competitive game show type oh, yeah. things that don't mm. really like we don't like Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh, mm-hmm. like shows about like getting physical and like. Doing all these challenges and things, and, and uh, what was the other one? They're bringing um, back Double Dare. Oh yeah, Double oh really? Double Dare is coming back. Double Dare, and then there was <laughs> yeah. uh, Wild and Crazy Kids. Oh yeah, yeah. That wasn't my favorite. I if no. I had to rank them, I liked Legend of the, of the Hidden Temple first, and then Guts. Guts. Oh guts yeah, was the that's one. The oh my one. god. I liked Guts because I thought Mo was really hot. <laughs> Mo was and is hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, guts was a good one for like young queer girls because it was like every tomboy girl's dream which was my dream to be on guts and i wanted to so bad and you could never uh, find out about like casting calls i lived in omaha nebraska there i thought was you no were gonna way. say your dream was to be like mo and that's every queer girl's dream to dress, dress like a referee before <laughs> yeah. that's one of mine still yeah. work at Foot Locker. um 
Yeah, I, I watched that show. Like, I was obsessed with Guts, and I always thought I could do, I'm like, I could do all these challenges. Yeah. And my friends and I would make, like, obstacle courses yeah, outside. that's and so fun. Yeah. And Wild and Crazy Kids was more like, I just didn't really like the hosts. I didn't really connect with them. Yeah. Um, but what was the one? Oh, there was one called What Would You Do? Uh, Remember that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Wasn't that the one, like, I think Mark Summers hosted it? I don't know. I think he had quite a career in the 90s. I could yeah. be wrong. I need to research that. But What Would You Do was the one that ended in, like, a... There was some sliming thing oh, that yeah. happened. There's a lot of slime in the program. You Can't Do This on Television was yeah, another show. That was on show. Alanis oh, yeah. Morissette. <laughs> Alanis Morissette was on that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What? I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, Did I miss this one? Alanis Morissette has had a career, and uh, it has yeah. spanned starting with... Uh, starting with You being... can't do that on television to... Alanis Morissette was my childhood. I think I had a crush on her in hindsight, because <laughs> I clung so much on... Like, Jagged Little Pill. I had Jagged Little Pill on cassette and on CD, nice. and I listened to that CD so much that it eventually stopped working, and I had to get mm-hmm. another cop. Like that's how much I listened to it. Yeah. Like if you like a CD, and it, there were no scratches on it. It literally was just played out. Like, <laughs> the CD stopped working, yeah. um, and I still think that album is fantastic. But. So ten years later, Alanis came out with Jagged Little Pill Acoustic, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like really because she had made so much great music after Jagged Little Pill and but they weren't as commercially successful so I thought oh she's just doing this to you know get some money and whatever she got mine uh, <laughs> Jagged Little Pill Acoustic is amazing it's amazing it's yeah awesome solid yeah. album I'm like oh wow there actually was a wonderful purpose to this yeah you were able to remake this and such a like what a gift for people who love the original and now are older and a little bit more mellow. Yeah, yeah. So nice. a little bit. We deal I'll with have to go back and listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you ought to know. Still gets me fired up for no reason. Like I have no like reason to be that fired up about it. And the <laughs> yeah. fact that it's about Dave Coulier remains one of like the lamest backstories of a song of a, such a great song that I've ever heard. I met Dave Coulier once. <gasps> it was. He's what? very nice. I. I'm sure he he's is. very. Canadian and nice. Yeah. I was a bartender at uh, a comedy club in Kansas City called Sanford and Sons. It's like it's probably. I mean, at this point, it's the biggest. It's the biggest club. They had the kind of the biggest names come through. I mean, it's a big fish in a small pond. But um, Dave Cleary was one of the comedians, and his show was he he came through like once or twice a year, and his show was one of the few that was all ages because his material is very clean and is his material like literally what it was on full house i mean basically it's it is so clean that there were like 15 year olds that that's whose parents wait all year to like take them to dave coolia because he's the only comedian that they can truly count on to like not drop an f-bomb or say bob saget was like the complete opposite yeah bob saget was bob saget is Filthy and Dave Coulier <laughs> yeah. is like the antith- antithesis of that. Yeah, um, he's very nice. And so basically, when I was the bartender in like the lobby bar, so yeah. I would be like super busy, and then yeah. everybody would go yeah. to the show. So while the openers were on, uh, Dave Coulier just sat alone at my bar, and we watched hockey. And he drank a <laughs> diet coke. Is he still <laughs> and in that's hockey the hair? Extent of my yeah, yeah. He kind of he like. He looked, it was so funny, he has, he has an age. He looks yeah. the same as he did on Full House without, I mean, the mullet is fixed. Like, the back part, yeah. the party in the back is no longer. But, <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, he, he, we just, like, chatted about the NHL and 
And he heard his intro. He's like, well, it's my time. And I said, okay, see you later. And that's the end of it. Ah. <laughs> and I desperately wanted to ask him about Alanis Morissette, but I'm sure he gets that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the only reason I'd want to talk to him. Yeah. I, uh. it, the one thing I wanted to talk about with him was off limits. So <laughs> I, I think too, because there, there weren't like explicitly queer mm-hmm. and, and gay female artists. I mean, there were, there were some, like that's when Lilith Farrow's like coming about and whatnot, yeah. but um, but Alanis Morissette seemed queer. I think that's why I was yeah, so Yeah, even though her, her songs were edgy. very yeah. hetero, <laughs> there was that, like, I think that a lot of us latched on to this kind of feminist mm-hmm. music because that was kind of like the next best thing. It was like, you know, what's... It kind of spoke to us, I think. Mm-hmm. And it spoke to me in a way that I didn't identify at the time. Yeah. But... I was I latched on very much to all of Alanis Morissette's yeah, music, just like women being loud and yeah, like kind yeah, of yeah. singing in a way that wasn't like necessarily pretty, yeah, but yeah, just very exactly. like raw and emotional. Yeah, you know what I didn't realize until recently is that the song "Fast Car" came out in the eighties. Oh, really? I thought that was like a firmly mid nineties song. No, it was like eighty eight, oh, maybe. Wow. But I feel like still a great song. Still a great song, but also was just very queer and mm-hmm. kind of set the tone for like mm-hmm. that whole genre of music for years to come. I don't know. It just mm-hmm. feels like it was really ahead of its time. Yeah, I didn't know that. I would have guessed like 94, 95. Yeah. I really love mid 90s music. That's like, <laughs> that's where my, that's where I started enjoying music and I have not advanced from that. <laughs> At yeah. all. Well, if you listen to Homo Ground, maybe. <laughs> I know. Now I'm going to. Some, now I have a one-stop shop for like actually catching up on actual queer music, not yeah. stuff that I create in my head. And <laughs> yeah, connections I draw like a beautiful mind. Like the, the equations <laughs> pop up in front of me. I, you know, I do get like a little bit frustrated in terms of discovering music because my go-to's are like Spotify and Amazon Music mm-hmm. because that's what's on my phone and my computer, but. It's all garbage. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not all garbage. But then you know, and then when I listen to something like Homoground, I was like, "Oh man, this is actually like a really cool uh, variety of music." Mm-hmm. Where Spotify is just kind of like a little bit like more of the same. Like yeah. every once in a while, Pandora will throw me something that mm-hmm. I'm like, "Who who is this on right yeah. now?" Like, uh, yeah, I have to wonder who like what what goes on at Spotify when they're kind of like trying to pick all these like artists out of nowhere to showcase. I'm like, are they out of nowhere? I don't know. Yeah. yeah we'll have to start like a homo ground Spotify playlist. I think there is one on there that someone started. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Cool. But I don't know how updated it is, but I will totally check that out. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. I dig so much of, uh, of what I hear on the podcast. Um, so you're branching out into interviews and um, what that, what other kind of stuff besides um, that are you getting into or that you've been doing? I know that sometimes you feature events and yeah, like over the years I've tried to like do different things, like doing events and I really like I mentioned like I grew up on MTV, so like music videos has always been something I was really into. So at one point I was like, all right, let's like showcase more music videos on the website. 
Um, but sometimes I think I get a little too ambitious because I like have all these ideas. I'm like, yeah, Homoground's going to be like the queer version of MTV. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like, wait, I actually have to like make that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like, how do you even do that? So I don't know. Yeah. I started like just spotlighting a lot of music videos on the website, but it's a lot of work. So. Yeah. And like I have a full time job, and everyone that helps out with Homoground like pretty much volunteers their time, and so yeah, there's big ambitious goals, but it's step by step. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like I have this diking out web series written in my mind yep. oh, nice. that I that I chat down. It's already won three Emmys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, like barely keeping it together, putting out one episode every week <laughs> and an extra one for Patreon. Which, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Keeping up that. is hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On top of, <laughs> yeah, especially like if you have a, a full-time job, mm-hmm. um, if you live in New York and have to sacrifice 20 hours a week to being stuck on the MTA. Right. Uh, <laughs> or crying. Just yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, we have a, we have to budget a lot of time for crying yeah, here. Yeah, budget time and crying. <laughs> Uh, budget time in the summer for drying yourself off for yeah. w- wardrobe changes. Yeah, <laughs> you're just drenched in sweat. Ugh, Ugh. It's the worst. I feel like I talked about this before, but I have a pair of pants that was ruined from literally sitting in the subway, oh my and God. I don't know what I sat in. It was like the subway seat looked clean, oh, and yeah. it was some type of like clear grease. Oh, God. And I got home, and Cecilia was like, what's on the back of your pants? <laughs> oh, and no. it was just, like, two, like, smears that, like, won't come off with wow. the wash. I'm like, That's oh, awful. And then City. you have to think about what could that have been. Yeah, the city ruins my shoes. It ruins my pants. Yeah. But we love it. Yeah. Why, <laughs> why do we do this to ourselves? Why? Every single day, I wonder that. Oh, For no. Yeah. It's great. Here we are. Well, yep. it's the meat. Meet cool people like Lynn. It is. And hear about their projects and collaborate. Absolutely. uh, Experience little pockets of magic. Yes. Like last night, there's a park around the corner from my apartment, and I just like had a long week. I was like, I'm just going to sit in this park. And then all the fireflies just like started coming out. Yeah. And I just had like this kind of moment in my head where I'm like, does everyone see all these fireflies? Or maybe I reached like this level where like I unlocked this like. It's like fern gully magic. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, so I just imagined the all the fireflies as little fairies, and I don't know, maybe I was just like a little delirious That's by awesome. then. <laughs> I spotted my first uh, seasonal firefly the other night. July. I've never seen a firefly in New York. Oh, what? July. Yeah. July is the month for for fireflies, and actually. I uh, fireflies always make me think of uh, one of my ex girlfriends from high school that. You know, at the time, I thought it was like the most magical of course. night that there was like this trail that kind of ran behind my house and ran uh, through the town. And um, but it was kind of like trees on either mm-hmm. side and wh- whatever. So a lot of people would like bike or rollerblade or just go for walks on it. So we were walking like late at night down this trail <laughs> and, you know, like. People don't know we're gay, but like here, because no one's around, we get to like hold hands and all the fireflies oh, are like wow. out and oh, flying wow. around. Um, <laughs> but then also got scared because there was like rustling in the bushes. And there's actually like a murderer that used to, uh, a serial killer <laughs> who picked their victims off of off the um, trail. Well, we, it used to be called the Peanut Trail. I don't know what they call it now. <laughs> but yeah, there, it was actually like, 
oh for like God. a low crime area. Uh, I think I think they caught him, but like at that time, like. I didn't know that there was a serial killer that that was lurking there, but it was just like it was like the summer after they caught him, and right. I don't know, wow. crazy times. Uh, but yeah, the the magic of the fireflies and stuff. Yeah, uh, and Aww. being a a baby gay in Aww. a relationship. Everything is so magical when you're a baby gay. The smallest things are magic. Yeah. And now I'm just like I'm impressed by nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so jaded. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we like to end our episodes with a question, and this one's sort of related to music. Uh, what What do you think the the best breakup song is that you listen to? Well, I mean, going back to Chris Pirica, like I know any of her. Yeah. I'm telling you, any of them are great. Um, yeah, there's one in particular. Uh, hold on one second, I'm going to find it. You go, you go first, okay. and, I'll, and I'll find it. <laughs> I'll start while you guys think. Um, I you know to me there are like different phases of of breakup songs so mm-hmm. there's like when your relationship is is ending and you're kind of listening to music and you're like oh the song is like speaking to me right now and for that it's um, Tegan and Sarah's where does the good go Tegan and Sarah <laughs> oh, there was one breakup where it was just like Tegan and Sarah on repeat for days mm-hmm. uh, and then when like like as the breakup happens, it's Tegan and Sarah. Where does the good go? Or, <laughs> no, I just said that one. No, when the breakup happens, it's Tegan and Sarah's "Call It Off." Okay, oh, it's a good, very yeah. solid breakup song. And then once you're like feeling good about that breakup, it's Kelly Clarkson. Since you've been gone, <laughs> and I will not apologize. Yes, that's a good one. Amazing. What about you? Oh gosh. Um, I would have to say, I think maybe I listen to Des Arc a lot during like sad breakup moments. Okay. Um, they're a band from North Carolina. Um, but actually, I really love 90s R&B. So it would probably be an R&B song from yeah. the 90s. The Boy Is Mine. Probably Boys yeah. to Men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. The song is called Cynical by Chris Pureka. And it is, uh, it, only listen to it if you're angry. Um. It's amazing. <laughs> Okay, I'm if you're happy it's like it's a, still a great song, but there's something extra special about it if you're just like really in it. So yeah. that's the one. It's called aptly cynical. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um but yeah, but then like I have a lot of I mean there's a lot of like Beyoncé songs. I mean Lemonade yeah. was essentially a breakup slash get back together album that I'm obsessed with, so did they break up though? Yeah, they well the yeah, so like that album is basically uh it's kind of like her side of the story summing up like a I think this was over the course of a couple years or like over yeah. a year. But yeah, they did. It, they they basically separated separated and then came back together. But they're so uh-huh. private that like no one ever really knew because yeah. they keep 100% of their private life out of the public realm but now they're better than ever and jay-z is wearing women cut suits so. yeah no they're better than ever. i'm going to see them very soon i can't okay. wait and yeah they so they've each like made they've each made their own albums and then they made one together and then now this yeah this one together like as the carters is supposed to be like they're kind of it's like it's like the the bow on the whole story basically yeah. wow. so very big on surprise albums i like love a, a surprise album <laughs> And that's all Beyonce does. She doesn't give a shit about like letting you know what she's up to. She's just like, here's my album. Enjoy. Give me my money. Mm. Well, I feel at this point the surprise would be to have like a planned date and right. you know, <laughs> teasing up to Maybe it. Maybe that's next. Uh, 
Another one that I thought of was um, Lane Moore's band. It was Romance. Oh, okay. And I forget the name of the song, but there is one song on their, their, they have like a six song album or something Mm -hmm. that speaks to, I don't know. I'll check it out. Hard feelings. Hard feelings. (laughs) Um. So people can find you on iTunes, on yeah, iTunes, all the places, right? iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio, internet, homoground.com. And anything else? Do you have like merch or anything? To yeah, we have t-shirts, stickers. Um, cool, cool. I was just at the Dyke March in New York City handing out stickers. I was there too. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I was handing out It's so fun. Tattoos. I love the Dyke March. That's my favorite part. Yes. I'm definitely going next year. I totally I fucked up this year. I didn't go to the Dyke March, but I did go to the 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 Sunday stuff, like mm-hmm. the pra- the parade, which was great. But like not as good n- as the Dyke March, right? Next year, I think I'm going to focus my energies on the Dyke March. Nice. It yeah. sounds like a, a better time. Yeah, it was my first time doing the the Dyke March because usually Del Close Marathon oh, and all yeah. stuff, and also me just kind of forgetting. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'm on town. I travel a lot. I don't know, but. But now I'm like, Dyke March for life. Yeah, for sure. Love it. <laughs> I hope it stays the same. And they still have, it's just like. All the drums. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, the all the oh, lesbians yeah. drumming. <laughs> lesbians love percussion. The boobs out, the, the political signs, yeah. all of that every year, forever and ever. Great. It'll make me happy. <laughs> um you can subscribe to our podcast as well if you haven't already and rate and review us on iTunes. We love reading your reviews and you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is Diking Out and we post a lot of fun stuff on Instagram. Uh, our episode art, also pictures of Sarah's mom at uh, Yeah, Pride. my parents at Pride <laughs> in oh, Omaha. Nice. Yeah. Uh, pictures of Mariska Hargitay. Uh, a lot of A lot of fun <laughs> content there um that we're proud of so follow us and uh, send us an email we love hearing from you we love getting questions diking out at gmail.com and if you are able to please support us on patreon at patreon.com slash diking out that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n slash diking out thank you for listening and tune in next week all right bye bye Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Uh Uh-uh. Not she... They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often? Every.